Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Slick Rick's going to do some sports. Rick Delgado's going to do the news. Good to join us on a Wednesday night. If you're in the Getter Chat or on Real America's Voice, wherever you're watching, we appreciate it. Welcome on in, Slick Rick. How are you? I'm doing great, Big D. How are we doing tonight? Good. How was your day? Fantastic. Yeah? All yeah, right. it was a good day. Every day's oh. a good day. Yeah, All right, very out good. Out uh, Rick Delgado, I'm afraid to ask, but how was yours? I- I'm afraid to say because I'm afraid you're going to steal it again, like last night. Yeah. Well, I didn't steal it. What <laughs> yeah, you, you did. I said I had a good day. I went and I got a lot done. You're like, I had well, a good day. I had a good day, day I had too. I got a lot See, done. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a terrible day. I spent all day in the bathroom. How was your day, David? My day was still good. I got a lot Damn done. It. All right. All of it in the bathroom. No. <laughs> uh, yes, very good. <laughs> Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. And, of course, due to live from Studio 6B audience, lots to get to. Philip Patrick from Birch Gold is going to join us, as he does seemingly all of these CPI days that we get the CPI reading, and we got one this morning. So he'll join us at 8.30 so we can talk about Bidenomics and how well it's working out for everybody. Nah. <laughs> uh, he'll join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about uh, Birch Gold, and we'll talk about things going on in the economy. CPI ticked up a little bit. Little, uh, really, not too much of a surprise given energy costs. And you know, mm. when you when you uh, drain the Strategic Petroleum Reserve as a facade to keep um, to keep uh, inflation down, uh, that was one of the few things basically that was trying to keep inflation down, but completely unsustainable, obviously. And now we're right back on the roller coaster of um, of energy prices, which of course the Fed can't control. And the White House can't control. The White House can't control anything. The White House talking about these these economic reports is just is just laughable in one respect, but pathetic in the other. Because they're living in an alternate reality that all of us are living in. Legitimately alternate reality. And then they lie, of course, on top of it, which is just blatant. But CPI, 3.7 increase in CPI, 3.7% increase in CPI year over year, 4.3% increase in core CPI. Of course, the target is still 2%. So Joe Biden and the White House can tell us, oh, inflation's coming down. We're doing great. We got more to do, but it's coming down. Well, now it's going up. Now it's going up, and it's still more than double the target. More than double the target. That is not good. It's not like it's two, three, two, four. It's four, three. Monthly CPI rose 0.6%. That's the hottest monthly reading in 14 months. And an annualized rate that's 7.8% inflation. That doesn't sound good. At that, at that pace, prices will double every 9.2 years. Prices will double. Every 9.2 years. So they can tell us that we're trending towards 2%. They can tell us that um, they've really got a handle on inflation. Uh, they don't. They've, they've been able to mask some of it by the strategic petroleum reserve and energy costs. But if you look at the numbers today, where we thought we might get a little dip in owner's equivalent rent and rent, we, get, we got the opposite. Where we thought we'd get a dip in new cars, we got the opposite. We got actually a dip in used cars. We got an uptick in used cars. We got an uptick in personal services, as you look at the report this morning. And of course, we got the uptick in energy. 
Cumulative, cumulative inflation under Biden is about 17%. An, alien, an annualized rate of 6.1% since he took office. Meaning prices have doubled in less than 12 years. And realistically, you know when you go to the store and you've been feeling this and, and you live it every day, prices are up what feels like and, and actually is um, more than 17% on some things. Oh, yeah. Uh, and especially when you when you look at what's the big driving one they're blaming is, oh, it's the price at the pump. It's going up. Uh, well, the price of the pump affects everything because everything runs on energy. You've got your, your, your deliveries. You've, you've got your trucks. You've got your trains. You've got your plane. Every, everything that delivers products and gets the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The uh, supply line going. Supply chain, yeah. The supply chain going go. is run on energy. You need energy. You can't go without energy. This, this facade, this, this, this lie that we can, oh, we can just harness the wind and we'll put up a bunch of things and, and that'll get. And then, of course, you've got to ration it because there's not enough wind, except if, if you're a Democrat and, and you're talking on Capitol Hill. That's the only time you're going to get any wind. And it'll be hot wind and it still won't be enough. But they're under this 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 illusion that no, it's going to be great. This utopia we've we've gotten. We're going to be away from. Did you hear what they're doing in Germany? Germany wants this. They want to start turning off energy at night so you can't cool or heat your house. That's it. Germany. Good luck. Let us know how that works out for you. Another thing Trump was right about, and they laughed at him by the way when he was at the UN talking about it. If you remember, uh, other things from the report this morning. As I read through it, wages are rising. Uh, this is this guy, Jared Bernstein, comes out. And again, I don't know if they take the Biden tack of, we're just going to blatantly lie and just and then, then no. whatever. And we'll just let it get out there. We'll just say it and some people will believe it. But wages, prices have risen so much faster than wages have, even though wages have risen. But not anywhere near as fast as prices have. Real wages, inflation-adjusted wages, are way down. Way down. Not just down, way down. The average hourly worker, if you're working 40 hours a week, 9 to 5, you pay more in inflation tax than you do probably federal and state income tax on your paycheck at this point in your hourly earnings. And now what are you seeing? Here's the next shoe to drop. The next shoe to drop is now as things start to slow down, you know what's going to happen to those hours if you're working nine to five? You're going to have less of them. Because mm-hmm. your hours are going to start to get cut back. Because business is slowing. Well, remember, I think it was Pennsylvania wants to introduce a four-day work week and cut it to 32 hours. And they think that they're going to be able to force the companies to still pay you for 40 hours. It's not going to work that way. <laughs> you, you, only in the federal government can they envision a world where you get paid not to work. And believe me, there's about, what, 40-some-odd percent of the country who enjoys that, that particular lifestyle, unfortunately. Yeah, weekly earnings way down as well. Weekly earnings way down as well. So when you look at the average American working, you look at their paycheck, it's, about, it's probably about $250 bigger um, than it was before inflation, but it actually buys you about $125 less. 
So that same 250 is not even worth 250. It's worth half that. Right. And again, that's that, and that's that uh, understanding where people think, well, you know, prices are. And Biden said it from from the stupid podium, right? He says if these companies would just cut their prices, they can't cut their prices. The money is worth less. You've made the money worth less, so they have to charge more of it to get what the, what they need to cover their nut and to also make a profit. They're companies; they're not in it, you know, just to just to get by and be like, "Oh, we're doing it for everybody, and then nobody's going to make a profit." No, they're in it to make a profit because they have to live. And small business owners know what know what that means. Biden's been in office about what um, coming up on well, January will be what thirty six months. Mm-hmm. There have been five months in Biden's months in, pre- in the presidency that have seen real annual earnings growth that has outpaced inflation. Only five. The other 31 months come January that he'll have been in office, you'll have had the opposite. You'll have had a decline. Wages will have been down. Real wages down against inflation for 30 months out of 30, 31 months out of 36 come January, and it's probably only going to get wor- worse from here to January. So you can pretty much take to the bank that those five are going to remain the only five that you're going to have in three years. Oh, that's Bidenomics. Right? And so when you do the math on Bidenomics, middle out, middle out, bottom up, that we keep hearing about, real annual earnings are down more than $5,100. Financing costs are up about 1800 that's the equivalent of a $7,000 annual pay cut to the average American family. It's a big hit. It's a big hit. $7,000 pay cut. And that doesn't even get into people who are, let's say, have to sell or buy a house. If you're a young couple and you're trying to buy a house, you can, I mean, you can't even, I mean, you really just can't even bother looking because what that house is going to cost you now as opposed to uh, what it would have three years ago, it's probably up 25, 26%. Yeah. It's probably 25, 26% more expensive to buy that house under middle out, bottom up Bidenomics. That's why it's so laughable when I hear Jared Bernstein and these guys from the White House, and I know they have to try to spin it somehow. And I guess that when you, when you literally can't spin anything, I guess you, the, what you resort to is just lying. Because that's what they do about these numbers. We all knew this was going to tick up a little bit because of energy. But none of the underlying numbers are getting any better either. Especially as we head into autumn, fall, and mm-hmm. then into winter when people have to start heating their homes. Yep. And again, it's all driven because of energy. You need energy to get to, to drive. You got to get to ba- back and forth to work. Uh, you need energy to go to the store. You need energy to to run the appliances in your home. You want to keep those uh, th- that food from going bad. You got to run your you got to run your refrigerator. You got to you know you got to heat your home to keep everybody alive in the winter time. Energy is the driving force for everything, and they're going to sit there and be like, "Well, you know, uh, if they didn't charge so much, if they would just cut their prices, doesn't work that way." But these dopes have enough idiots. That'll just go, okay, yep, that's what they said. They said we're doing great. They said, you know, uh, the economy's strong. That's what they said. So that's what it is. Trump didn't do that. Just just, just stop. Stick your head in the toilet at that point. And um, 
there's no end in sight right now in inflation because the spending hasn't stopped. And if you look at the Fed's balance sheet, they're not unwinding it nearly as fast as they probably thought they could. You look at the deficit $2 trillion just this year. You look at the deficit spending we've done. You look at $33 trillion in fiscal operating debt. You look at the legislation and the spending that still gets presented by, this, by the Democrats and by Biden and this administration that they want to spend. I mean, it doesn't seem like any, they're not worried about inflation. It's not slowing them down. This is why, again, the Republicans right now, which, what is it, what, which way are we going here? Because this is, this is it right now. This is it. The budget um, fight that is in front of us now is, is, the one that, is the one that counts. Because these numbers are a disaster. We'll do some news sports. Phil Patrick will join us at 8.30. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Seventeen past the hour on a Wednesday night. Real America's Voice live from Studio Six B. Glad you're a part of the show. Remember Friday, we'll be covering again President Trump's speech. I think he's talking. Friend, did you say he's talking at two different events in D.C.? Yeah, he's in the doing, swamp Friday. He's doing two different uh, events there. One like back to back. He's going to go ten minutes up the road from one to the other. Well, I think Stinchfield is going to cover the first one because that's going to be in the seven o'clock hour, and then we're going to cover the second one which uh, we believe the president will take the stage around 845, 9 o'clock, something like that. So we will cover that on uh, Friday night. So another live Friday yeah. night. And then the guys are threatening me that I have to take them out for tacos and tequila <laughs> tacos afterwards. Tacos and but tequila, we'll man. Have to, uh, we'll see what time the president gets over. So we'll see. Slick uh. Rick, are you down for tacos and tequila on Friday night? Yeah, if we don't have to catch a plane for the RAV Open, I'll be there. <laughs> you, you see, wow. I mean, you see, that's just such an unnecessary. Oh, a lot of false wow. promises just here. Just an yeah. unnecessary <laughs> swipe at Big D there. Yeah. That's, right. uh, that's what that is. I was going to do sports. Let's do some news. Yeah, do some news. Let's do some sports. And here with that is Slick Ricks brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B. If you're going to shop there, it'll save you 10 to 60% off Mike's great stuff. And it is great stuff, all of it. And don't tell Mike that it's not great stuff, right. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in a deposition because he's going to come get you. Exactly. Uh, Slick Rick, what's going on? Well, after last night, Delgado's news is really taken off. So I don't know. <laughs> what? what are you oh, please, about? don't bring us back what to that. What are you that. talking about? He's nothing. All right. Wait. Tonight, tonight we're going to get nudes, oh, right? that nudes. nudes. Okay. Here we go, Big D. Let's get to the baseball scores. Major League Baseball, hey, only about uh, two and a half weeks left in the season. Wild cards are shaping up. Baseball's getting exciting. And here we go. Cardinals right now over the Orioles, one nothing. bottom of the sixth. Top six, the Pirates lead the Nationals, 7-5. to five. Braves over the Phillies, 4-1, to one, top seven. Top six, the Reds lead the Tigers, 4-3. to three. No score, middle of the fifth, Rangers and Blue Jays. Mets lead the Diamondbacks, 2-0, middle of the fifth. 
In a rain delay, Yankees and Red Sox, no score there. Astros 4-0 over the Athletics, top of the fourth. Top third, Royals lead the White Sox 2-0. Bottom third, no score, Marlins and Brewers. Rays over the Twins earlier today, 5-4, that's a final. Rockies down the Cubs, 7-3. In 10, the Giants nip the Guardians, 6-5. Mariners over the Angels, 3-2. And Padres and Dodgers, 10-10, first pitch. Well, here's a good story. Politics are heating up, even in sports, Big D. We need someone great. YouTuber and boxer Jake Paul says America is failing, urges fans to vote in 2024. This is Warner Todd Houston of Breitbart. YouTube sensation and boxer Jake Paul says that America is failing and is urging his nearly 25 million Instagram followers to get out and vote in 2024. He also claims he is meeting with presidential candidates to gauge who will be someone great to vote for. Paul took to his Instagram stories to tell fans that the country needs a change of direction and that can only happen if we vote for the right person for the job, Fox News reported. He told fans that he has met with GOP candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. He has seen, he is, was seen in a video with Paul and is looking to meet with Democrat candidate Robert Kennedy Jr. He added that he already knows people in the Trump campaign personally and hinted he'll try to meet with Trump as well. So I'm meeting with the potential presidential candidates, Paul said, mainly because I think this is the most important election in the past 100 years. He's got that right. We need someone great. America is failing, so I feel a responsibility to use my platform to help America and my future kids who one day will have to go to school in all this madness. Paul continues saying, I seem right way I I've seem right wing, but really I'm pretty neutral on all policies and want the truth to be told. I just want the gains to be put aside and I want the salesman politics to die. People think this blank isn't important and it is so. Your vote matters. Now I, f- I sound like a marketer and a weirdo, but I'm ready to help us. I'm the people's champ and I always will be. Hey, 25 million is a lot of followers. He also noted that he is disheartened, disheartened by the U.S. and how it's portrayed by far- to foreigners. At the end of the day, other countries look to us as look at us as a joke for real. He said, it's sad, so we need to become united regardless. But so much work to do and my Insta copy not 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 so, and my Insta story, not going to, his word was lyrics is very hard to quote uh, but I'm uh, here y'all as the wealthiest person my age and uh, I hope you can get you know, it's just a really crazy story but hey the kid's yeah. trying to get the word out he's you know, got 25 million followers on Instagram it's a few more than Big D has and um, with <laughs> well, that being thinking, said well what know, I was going to say Slick I was trying he's to not jump, happy with Joe jump Biden. in there is the part where you said he says uh, I know I sound like a no he doesn't you know you don't sound like a right winger right winger left winger this that you sound like someone who, who recognizes that the country's going to hell trouble which everybody recognizes no question And we have one party in this country that doesn't care and, and is efforting the the country going to hell which is pushing it going to hell and people from both sides of the aisle and i've said this forever uh, i don't care who they voted for last time people recognize not only their pocketbook and their finances but their life and their kids and their freedom and their liberty and their everything else that we have that we all cherish and mostly take for granted living in this the greatest country in the world private property rights and all the other things that uh the way our you know separation of powers the way our constitution is set up the way our bill of rights is set up and we see it all under attack yep so you don't have to be right wing left wing uh, even into politics 24 7 to recognize that the country is going to hell and something has to be done about it so even someone who doesn't consider themselves political can see that. Young people can see that. Maybe not all of them, 
But oh, there's plenty it, of them who can. They're feeling oh, yeah. it, too. They feel it. They feel it, like you just said. They're feeling it in the wages. They're feeling it in the stores as well. They're not, they're not immune to this either. No question about it. So, uh, And, of course, he's been very critical of Biden, and rightfully so. So, hey, the YouTube sensation and boxer, I think he's on point, the kid. I'm glad to see him come out and say something. Maybe he'll rile up some of those kids. You know, 25 million followers, yeah, he might get, out, might get a 10% out for, to vote, 20% of the vote. And that could definitely have an effect. And that's a wrap in sports, Big D. Back to you. All right, Slick, so very good. We'll do some more sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Let's do some news. News is brought to you by our friends over at 7Cells, 7Cells.com. Again, use our code at checkout. It'll save you 20% off anything you put in your cart over at 7Cells. Rick Delgado's got the news. What's going on? All right. Well, I was going to talk about the guy who was captured this morning in Pennsylvania, but I'm going to hold off on that because I want to jump on to what you guys were just talking about in terms of um, – you know, things that are being attacked, like you're saying, our way of life basically being attacked and people feeling it. Uh, one person who was feeling it is this federal judge out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, who has blocked part of the public health order that suspended the right to carry guns in public across New Mexico's largest metro area, uh, basically uh, neutering the Democratic governor's action, the edict she put out of putting in a 30-day ban on guns in uh, Albuquerque. Uh, I'm talking about the federal judge, and I'm talking about the the governor of New Mexico, Grisham, who has uh, basically been taken the task here. The second-term governor imposed this emergency public health order that we talked about last night uh, that actually came out over the weekend. She cited recent shootings around the state that left children dead, saying something needed to be done. Even if it was unconstitutional, she thought she needed to do something. Uh, well, it turns out not everybody is agreeing. Uh, the judge named Ur- Urias, uh, who was appointed to the federal judge uh, bench by President Joe Biden, agreed Wednesday that the plaintiffs who have accused Lujan Grisham, the governor, of trampling on their constitutional rights, has granted a temporary restraining order to block the governor's suspension of the gun rights until another hearing can be held in October. And it just got me wondering, because, again, when we talked about that, it struck me odd that somebody like Ted Lieu jumped out on this. Uh, that kid from Florida, uh, David, what's his name, jumped out on this. These are these are anti-gun people. They would they would rob your house to steal your guns. Uh, but meanwhile, for some reason, they came out on this. Now you've also seen her attorney general comes out. I'm not going to defend. I'm not going to defend the governor in this lawsuit. The ACLU came out against her. Uh, like I mentioned, those high profile Democrats, her, the police have come out. Local said sheriffs not, said they're yeah, not going to the enforce local it. Local sheriffs are not. Everybody's coming out against this. Yep. And, and the only ones cheering it were, of course, the criminals who decided to shoot some uh, shoot some uh, guns off in the air to celebrate. But what's crazy is that. This could have inadvertently destroyed the entire Democrats' plan for the upcoming election. Hear me out on this. It's just a theory. Uh, by the judge doing this, this edict to grab power. Okay, why don't you hold, hold, why don't you hold oh. that theory so me and Slick can go get a okay. shot of vodka before you start it, and we can hit the break and then come uh, back and listen no, to it. We get tequila and tacos. What are you yeah, talking about, Maybe brother? we have to move those up to right about now. All right, we'll be right back live from Studio 6B.
right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Real America's Voice, Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's got some theories and some news coming up. We'll get to those as well. Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. Again, we'll be covering President Trump's speech on Friday night. So make sure you're hanging with us on Friday night. And, of course, obviously tomorrow night. Uh, David Zier, the great David Zier, will be here with Rick and Rick. I'll be off because it's back to school night. Oh. And I have two kids now in the same school, so Mama's going to take one and Daddy's going to take the other. So we're going to be... Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer tomorrow night. So I'll be off tomorrow. Slick Rick and the boys and Rick Delgado and David Zier will be here. I just hope they take pictures. I'd I'd love to see you sitting in one of those desks. Okay, that's enough (laughs) of that. All right, let's um, please welcome back to Live from Studio 6B, as he seemingly does every time we have a CPI reading, which I love the timing of this. Uh, Please welcome Philip Patrick, our friends from Birch Gold, back to the show. Philip Patrick, how are you? Doing well, Damon. How are you? Very good. I saw the numbers come out this morning. 3.7% increase in CPI, 4.3% increase in core CPI. Uh, that's still twice the target of obviously 2%. Monthly CPI rose 0.6. That's the hottest monthly reading in 14 months. I uh, hear Biden going around the country telling us about middle out, bottom up, all this, uh, all these different angles to grow the economy. How is, uh, how is Bidenomics working through your eyes? Is this the strongest economic growth since the turn of the century, like we've been told? Well, it certainly doesn't feel that way. And we know how Biden likes to cherry pick numbers. Um, and if you do that, <laughs> you can create the argument. Everything's doing great, right? GDP, for example, is very much skewed by things like inflation. But I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is the average American doing better? And I think we all know the answer to that. But looking at some of the numbers, I think it's very clear. Food at home is up 20%. Electricity up 21, gasoline up 72, right? People's biggest expense, or most people, housing. Rent payments up 25%, median mortgage payments up 85%. Very importantly, and this is the pain point, wage growth has trailed inflation consistently. The average household's purchasing power is down $7,000 per year. In other words, it's not just our imagination, despite what Biden's telling us. Basically, everything we spend our money on is more expensive. And as we mentioned, wages haven't kept up. So now we're seeing consumer debt starting to creep up over a trillion dollars in credit card balances. I think people at the moment are desperately trying to maintain their standards of living in the face of Biden economics, you know, and and carrying debt to do that. Now, we could call this economic growth or we could call it trying to make ends meet. Uh, Inflation right now is making that almost impossible for most people. You know, you brought up what I think is going to be one of the phrases going into election season that people have to revert back to, and that is the, are you better off today than you were four years ago when Biden took office? And you look at some of the numbers you just laid out, families taking the equivalent of a $7,000 annual pay cut. If you're trying to buy a home, the cost of that home, not only the cost of what it will uh, probably 20% higher in cost to get into the house, but who wants a mortgage at 7.2% and maybe even going up? Um, I mean, savers who have saved their whole life, when you look at paychecks, uh, maybe a couple dollars more in paychecks, but it's buying you so much less, like 50% less. A paycheck that's worth $250 more is only buying you $120 less and stuff. So you look at this big saving ice cube that people have in their garage and the government keeps turning up the heat, turning up the heat of inflation. And that purchasing power keeps melting away, melting away, melting away. 
And I think people, for the first time, are really starting to understand government spending, deficit spending, and now inflation, and how it's the most insidious tax there is. And people have been feeling this since the first day Biden took office. Yeah, it's absolutely spot on, right? Now we're seeing the, the, the line from the Biden administration was, well, inflation's easing. Now it's ticking back up again. But there's some other things to consider, right? First of all, inflation itself is cumulative. If we have a 10% inflation rate one year, followed by 5% less, it means everything costs 15% more, right? Easing inflation doesn't return purchasing power. We're talking about destroying it more slowly. The other thing which you mentioned, I think is very important, Core PCE, personal consumption expenditure, has been more than double the Fed's 2% target, and it has been for years, right? So headline inflation's been coming down. That was predominantly driven by falling energy prices. But guess what? Oil's creeping back up again. It's pushing $90 a barrel, up 23% in the last three months. And I think that's now driving headline inflation back up. But this is particularly concerning because I think what's happening now is inflation is becoming entrenched in the economy. And if the Fed is really determined to get it back down to that 2% target, they have a lot further to go. Recent numbers, I think, have shown us that. Boy, I tell you, that's a scary thought about much farther to go because at this point, the interest on the debt, the numbers are becoming so astronomical when you look at what they are. It's at, at, uh, if he's going to continue to raise rates, I mean, I know he says higher for longer, but boy, I tell you, you know, economics work until they, the numbers work until they don't work. And pretty soon, you already have the, the cost of money being more expensive. Most people think there's going to be a credit crunch. Commercial real estate, they think, is going to roll over and really take a hit. Um, but speaking of the Fed, since that's what we're talking about, the Fed obviously just came out of Jackson Hole, which is their yearly uh, get-together with all these world central bankers. Um, what was the what was the agenda as far as you could tell out there? How I guess inflation had to be the number one thing on the agenda. Yeah, uh, look, the theme of the meeting was structural shifts in the global economy. But this was a really interesting meeting. If there was one takeaway from it, uh, the word would be perplexity. Uh, last year, we really focused on inflation, central bank credibility, and you know, it was a proper meeting. This year, it was really about their own confusion, right? Federal Reserve Chairman Powell said that central bankers were navigating by the stars under cloudy skies, which as a sentence from the Fed chair is concerning. Uh, but it wasn't just domestically. European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said, you know, there were growing uncertainties. And she was she said that there was no historical precedent for the woes that we're seeing today. She basically said she didn't understand why employment globally was so high, despite significantly higher interest rates intended to cool the economy. So I think right now, central bankers are making it up as they go along. Um, and you're right, I think partly because this is new territory and partly because I don't know if they have the tools, right? They could stamp inflation out like we did with Volcker in the 80s by just jacking rates up very, very high. It did it very quick in the 80s, but they can't do that today. It's going to cripple the government from a debt standpoint. So I think higher for longer just means let's keep things as they are. Let's hope it's stamped, but, but hope is probably the word. But it was an interesting meeting. There was a lot of confusion, and I think it's just a reflection of what's happening globally. Yeah, you remember when Volcker in the 80s, he had about a trillion dollars of fiscal operating debt. We're now at $33 trillion. Um, 
Let's talk very quickly before we – well, I guess this kind of goes into what people can do as they're sitting here listening to us and they're looking at their 401Ks and they're looking at gasoline prices and they're looking at Biden uh, depleting the strategic petroleum reserve for so long that kind of artificially kept inflation down. Now energy's starting to creep back up. There's nothing they're going to be able to do to control that. But the other thing that we should talk about is obviously what we've been uh, – as I've been doing your commercial – We've been talking in the last month about the BRICS and the de-dollarization and the move to start to settle oil transactions and other energy transactions around the world in something other than the dollar. We know how America has used the petrodollar to get what they want from other places around in other countries and other leaders around the world. Uh, what did you take out of the, I guess it was August 22nd, yeah. uh, me, the uh, Accords there meeting? What did you take um, out of that? Yeah, look, it's, this for me is probably our biggest concern, really is. Look, inflation is a big problem, right? Recessions, big problems. But these are all cyclical in nature. And at some point, we're going to get a leader that understands the issues, stamps them out, and we'll move through. We lose a grip on global reserve currency status. That never returns. Now, basically what we're seeing, these BRICS nations teaming up to try and trade bilaterally outside of dollars, and it's happening already. India paid the UAE in rupees for oil for, you know, it's unheard of up until now. Now, look, I don't think the US is going to lose global reserve currency status officially to China, India, or BRICS currency, but what this will lead to, it appears, and is already, is a lack or, or waning demand for dollars globally. And we're seeing that. Last year, central bank uh, dollar holdings were at 25-year lows. Um, the dollar's share of foreign currency reserves is down another 7% this year. So de-dollarization is the trend. My concern is this. The BRICs aren't a joke anymore. Combined, they have a larger GDP than the G7, right? If we start to see the dollar's share of uh, global uh, transactions reducing significantly, currency doesn't recover from that, right? You know, currency is like anything else. It is supply and demand. And when you are global reserve currency, that is massive inbuilt demand for your currency. Any adjustment in that implies a multi-trillion dollar sell-off. Currencies don't recover from that. Pound sterling lost global reserve currency status to the US after 46, after Bretton Woods. The pounds lost over 97% of its relative buying power. These decisions, weaponizing currency, forcing countries to look for alternatives, this is where a single presidential term becomes very dangerous. Because like I said, if we lose a grip on that, it doesn't come back. It mm. never has in history. Mm. Yeah, well said. Uh, let's talk to the people about what they can do. Where is the opportunity in all this darkness right now? Uh, obviously, we're talking about gold, other things that hedge against inflation. Uh, what can people What can people do now to try to ride this wave out? Look, it's a tough climate because – Number one, we're in uncharted territory in a way. Number two, the options today are very, very limited. As inflation's creeping up, it makes cash positions much less attractive. I think they're losing in real terms to inflation. Markets are shaky, concerning for most. So, you know, as we've discussed before, precious metals in climates like this have a big advantage, right? They're safe havens, so they perform during times of economic downturn. Whenever currency is up in the air, though, you turn to gold. Central governments, right? We talked about de-dollarization. Central governments are dumping dollars. 
they're buying gold, right? And I think the, the key for them is, look, they know that the dollar at some point is going to lose global reserve currency. But right now, there isn't a natural suitor, right? And so instead of betting on the yuan or the rupee, they're hedging their exposure with gold. What applies to them? applies to us just on a much smaller scale. So I think everyone needs to stay informed, which is why this is so important. And once you are, once you understand the problems, the solutions start to present themselves. But I think precious metals work as a very good hedge against the problems we have today. Yeah. Well, the key there, you said stay informed. The way to do that, text America to 989898 and get informed on gold and see if it's right for you. Text America right now to 989898. I love having you on these days where we get these CPI readings. I hope we can continue it, and I'll look forward to having you on again. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Phil Patrick from Birch Gold. Text America to 989898. Text America to 989898. Uh, good stuff. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. That's a, Scary that's a stuff good way to say it, too. It. Scary stuff. Um, but like I said to him, you know, sometimes in this darkness, there are opportunities. You know, if you're in a position and you can put yourself in a position to take advantage of things, uh, if inflation starts to kick back up, boy, you're going to see that you're going to see the DXY, the dollar already starting to creep back up to 104, 105 gold uh, is, in, is in a good position. Other things that hedge against inflation could be in a good position to make a run. So you could try to find some. You know, kind of hedge yourself against it. Yeah, and and if anything, just to protect what you have. You know, not 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 looking to, to make a quick hit. right. Oh, Stop the I mean? melting of right. your ice cube. Exactly. Exactly. So. so, all right, sports and news coming up. Theories coming up. All live from Studio Six B on a Wednesday. Back right after this. from Studio 6B, 13 to the hour on a Wednesday. Real America's Voice, glad you're in. John Solomon's got some breaking news tonight, so we're going to effort getting Mr. Solomon on uh, if we can, friend. Maybe try try John up and see if he's there. Uh, I'm waiting for a response from him. We'll try to get him on. Hunter Biden scored meeting with father, business associates, inside VP home at Naval Observatory. Hello. ruh -roh. Whoa. Hold on. Repeat. Hunter Biden. There's no evidence, you know, of Joe Biden here. There's no evidence of uh, uh, this Republican. Damon, Damon, I must correct you now. They've, they've changed the language. It's all about the words. There's now no direct evidence. The, the, the phrase now is there's no direct evidence. So you have to get that right or else the media is going to come after you. Hunter Biden scored meeting with father. Father, that's Joe. Business associates inside VP home. At Naval Observatory. Mm, very admiral. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's the breaking news from Just the News and John Solomon. We'll see if we can get Mr. Solomon on. In the meantime, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Uh, LFS6B is the code to use if you're going to shop there. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, let's wrap up another rodeo. Big D, they're asking for rodeo in a the chat. Here you go. Lewiston Roundup. Lewiston 
Idaho, the great state of Idaho. You know we love Idaho, right, Rick? Lewiston Roundup Grounds. Here we go. All around cowboy. Trent Sorry, $763. Tyron Roping and Steer. Roping. Bareback. Leighton Berry, 86 and a half points on Sankey Pro Rodeo and Phenom Genetics. Moles Irish Eyes, 4089 Good paid out there. Steer Wrestling. JD Struxness, uh, 3.2 seconds. Team Roping. We had a tie. Eric Rogers and Paul Eves and Tyler Wade and Wesley Thorpe, 3.7 seconds. Saddle Bronc went to short Cody Garrett, 88 and a half points on Sankey Pro Rodeo and Phenom Genetics. Black tie. Tie down. Lane Livingston, 7.6 seconds. Barrel Racing, Paige Jones, 17 and 3 tenths seconds. And uh, Steer Roping, second round. Chet Heron took it, 10.9 seconds. Bull Riding, Jordan Spears, 87 points on Paint and Pony Championship Rodeos. South Point Dance Monkey, 39.55. There's your monkey, Rick. $156,306 is the total payout on that rodeo. That's a good one right there. Yes. Oh, I never know. Hey, love story. (laughs) Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift reportedly hanging out together, Big D. I guess he's getting better there, uh, Kelsey. He's ready to come back next week. Clark Dalton of Yard Barker reporting. Well, he said he tried to give her her, his number when he went to her concert, but he couldn't get backstage or couldn't get it to her. Yeah, that might be a little rouge. I don't know. The uh, rumors about Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift continue to swirl. E.T. reported the singer and Kelsey aren't officially dating. However, per the messenger, Travis and Taylor have been quietly hanging out. She saw him when she was in New York City a few weeks ago. If Kelsey and Swift, both 33, are in a relationship, it would be a, it would be a surprise. During her heiress tour, what was it? Eris tour this summer, he attempted to give her his phone number, which Big D just <laughs> said. Uh, perhaps Kelsey's, Kelsey's gesture flattered Swift, spawning a love story. Plus, it's not the first time Swift has been linked with a high-profile football player, or anybody else for that matter. In 2012, she reportedly went on, on a dinner date with former QB, NFL QB Tim Tebow. He was, well, I think T- Tebow was a little too good for her. Uh, nonetheless, it's fair to question the validity of this rumor. The Swift and Kelsey camps could be using it to generate more PR, uh, as the popularity of both soars. The Chiefs tight end won his second Super Bowl last season and made his eighth consecutive Pro Bowl per CNN, Damon's favorite network. Swift's new tour could generate 2.2 billion in North American ticket sales, making it the highest grossing music tour ever. Wait to pencil in Kelsey and Swift as a power couple, yet if she showed up to Arrowhead Stadium wearing a number 87 jersey, that would probably signal they're an item. I believe Kelsey was due to be on the practice field today. I didn't get an update on that, but looks like that young man will be lacing them up, and they sure could use them. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they missed him sorely uh, against Detroit last Thursday night, so that should be very interesting. And Big D, one more good story. Fire one here. Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl scolds Biden administration for Iran deal. Somebody said something the other day, Big D. Paul Boy of Breitbart. Bruce Pearl, coach for Auburn's men's basketball team, attacked the Biden administration for its recent Iran deal to swap prisoners and give the regime $6 billion. In a post on X, formerly Twitter, Pearl responded to a post from Senator Tom Cotton, a uh, Republican out of um, was that Arkansas, which said that the president desecrated the anniversary of September 11th by paying ransom to the world's worst state sponsor of terrorism. Shameful. The world should ju- the world just got even more dangerous by another pathetic week U.S. foreign policy decision. Pearl wrote, rather than giving Iran $6 billion, I would give them six days. Take another hostage and you get six hours. We just made Iran's terrorist regime stronger. Free their people. Know your opponent. As Breitbart News reported, the Biden administration approved the deal. We talked about this already. Uh, the deal, according to the AP, entailed the Biden administration issuing a blanket waiver for international banks 
to transfer $6 billion in frozen Iranian money from the South Korea to the Qatar without U.S. sanctions. In addition, the Biden administration agreed to release five Iranian citizens held in the U.S. It added, according to the AP, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken signed off on the deal late last week, but Congress was not notified of the deal until, well, Monday, September 11th. Yeah. Nice, huh? Good to see him come out. It takes a basketball coach to have more brains than your president. I mean, you talk Lord. about impeachable. Talk about impeachable offenses while the Democrats are screaming about. Well, there's no direct evidence. Like we have to have a picture of Biden like going into the bank and robbing at these people. Right. Like, <laughs> like uh, how about the treaty clause of the Constitution? What he's doing in Iran? That's impeachable. What, what about what he just reported on? That's. Imp- I mean, how about the take care clause? He's letting drugs pour in across. The- he's not taking care of the laws of this country. That's impeachable. I mean, the Democrats in this whole messaging. Of there's no evidence, direct evidence, but it's such nonsense. Totally. I mean, there's, there's, you could go down a list of things that are impeachable since the guy came into office. All right, anything else in That's sports? That's a wrap, Big D, right there. That's a wrap. All right, very good. We'll do some more sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell. Let's do a little some new. Well, let's do some theories. Oh, you want to do my theory? We didn't get to your theory because right. we had Phil Patrick from Birch Gold on. Right. So, well, so let's so, go. Theory so on the New back. Mexico governor. Jumping back. New Mexico governor uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham. Of course, she offered the uh, the 30-day edict on, on grabbing everybody's guns. Everybody's pushing back. And like I said, my theory is – this is this is something that the Democrats probably wanted to do, but just they didn't want her to do it. And they and she did it too early, because when you see the AG, the attorney general for the state, the ACLU, like I mentioned, Ted Lieu, uh, David Hogg, the kid from Florida, the sheriffs, the police, everybody's come out against this is unconstitutional. But then it got me thinking, I'm like, did she inadvertently destroy the Democrats plan for what they had for the election? Right. Because what, what do we keep hearing? We keep hearing about, oh, my goodness, there needs to be a climate emergency declared. Right. Declare a climate emergency. And with that, there there come certain powers that the president can take and certain things that he can do. Um, and I think by the by this governor taking this position of this health emergency and having everybody just smash it back at her. Now you look at the the attempt for the climate emergency next year that they're going to try and that they're going to try and declare climate emergency. We need to vote from home. You need to wear a mask. You need to do this. You need to do that because the climate needs to be saved. We can't let you out of the house to vote. You have to mail in your vote. I think that she inadvertently screwed up their entire theory, their entire plan. When again, did you, when did you come just, up with a theory that it's going to be climate that they focus on? Oh, because it, it, they've been they've been uh, they've been signaling it for the last I don't know six six eight months. You know, climate. Uh, what what the reporter asked uh, Joe Biden last week or two weeks ago in uh, Hawaii? Oh, when will you declare a climate emergency? I already did. Meanwhile, he didn't. So I think that's going to be what they're going to go to because let's face it, the media has already just gotten their marching orders. I don't know if you saw the dude from uh, I think it was Washington Post, Ignatius. David Ignatius, yes. Yeah. Biden shouldn't run in 2024. Exactly. And he's kind of like the go-to guy, right? Everybody follows his lead. Go yeah, check out Charlie it. Cook today in National Review, uh, which I shared on our social media. and It's called A Little Crack in the Media. That's the title of the, um, the, the piece in National Review. David Ignatius and Axios herald a new movement in a new moment. Um, in left-wing media as he's starting to see a little bit of crack in the media on Biden running in 24. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I posted on our social media. Go check it out. It's called The Little Crack in the Media. Very important piece, I think, from uh, 
from Charlie Cook today in National Review. Yeah, and that's not a little crack. That's that's basically they're they're giving him the high sign. They're giving him you know the old uh, here, here you go, go to it, go get him. It's fair game now. I'll give you a good climate um, vicious takedown that I actually saw today. Shared it on social media as well. Make sure you follow us on our social media at LFS6B. Hour two, we'll start with that when we get back right after this. Nine o'clock, hour two on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Uh, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice. Slick Rick's going to do some sports. Rick Delgado's going to do some more news. Aaron Fran holding it down. John Solomon, the great John Solomon, will join us at 9.20 to discuss his breaking news out tonight on Just the News about Hunter and Joe Biden, uh, which Rick will cover here before we get to the end of this segment so we can kind of set a foundation for Mr. Solomon joining us at 9.20. A uh, lot still to get to. Uh, again, check out that Charlie Cook piece about the media, about Axios, and uh, specifically about David Ignatius. When I saw that in the Washington Post yesterday, headline, Joe Biden should not run in 2024. Um, of course, just really any writer in the Washington Post with a headline like that catches your attention. <laughs> yeah. But especially him. Um, and others, too. And I, and I keep bringing it to your two attention since you two have been on the yep. mm -hmm. he's not going to be the guy. And he's I've been be more reluctant to get there. And I still don't think I'm there. That's okay. I don't know why that is, it's but I'm still happen. not there. You know what? The party's going to be going on whether you're there right. or not. So whenever you make it in, okay. it's good. Exactly. Here was, there, was a, there was a party on <laughs> climate change on this show, except the, the, <laughs> the girl who thought she was going to go there and party was in for a rude awakening. Um, and this gentleman's name is, let me get it straight, Alan Jones. And I believe he is a broadcaster on our favorite station down there in Australia on um, yes. Sky News. Sky yes. News. Yeah. So they had a panel on um, <laughs> climate change. Well, and it did not go well for her. Here's how, here's how it went. What is climate change? I mean, I think the question that the young lady asked yeah. over here is very valid. Young people are highly intelligent. But I wonder whether they're being told, or which they're entitled to, all the facts in relation to this. Oh when I ask, well, just around, Alice, you, you've been speaking most facts. of the night. When I, when, when I, when I asked Tanya Plibersek, was the deputy leader of the Labor Party and the potential deputy prime minister, was carbon dioxide the big issue in relation to climate change? And she said yes. I then said, well, that being the case, what percentage of the atmosphere? is made up of carbon dioxide. What is causing climate change? Is it carbon dioxide? Uh, y yes, um, carbon dioxide pollution is a major contributor. Okay, so to... can I ask you, this is not a, a trick question, what percentage of the Earth's air is carbon dioxide? Oh, I don't know. And I say, hang on, you don't know what percentage of the atmosphere is carbon dioxide, and yet you're prepared to stand the economy on its head to address a problem, the detail of which you don't know. So when I then explain that the percentage of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, Alice, is how much? Reserve. Alice? 
how much of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? To answer Alice? the question, Scott Morrison has said he Al believes Alison, in climate much? change Alice, and that much? he wants to do something about Alice, it. Alice, how much carbon dioxide is the problem? How much carbon dioxide is there in the atmosphere? I'm not a scientist. Too much. I don't oh. know. I'm well, a well hang on. If you're going to argue the case, you ought to know. It's 0.04 of a percent. <laughs> and of that 0.04 of a percent, human beings around the world create 3 percent. And of that 3 percent, Australia creates 1.3 percent. But if carbon dioxide is 0.04 percent of the atmosphere, and human beings are responsible for 3% of that 0.04%. And Australia is responsible for 1.3% of the 3% of the 0.04%. It's like saying there's a granule of sugar on the Harbour Bridge. Clean the bridge up, it's dirty. Surely if a political party doesn't know the quantum of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, what the hell are we standing the economy on its head for? Demonising coal-fired power driving everyone into renewable energy, which is not available, not reliable and not affordable, plonking us in electric cars, giving us nearly the dearest electricity in the world when we're rich in energy resources, exporting coal so that China and India and Japan can have cheap electricity, and we sit here swallowing this ideological rubbish, putting industry at risk, jobs at risk, and burying the economy. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly go. right. That's exactly right. It's not about the climate at all. It's about no. this degrowth control, mostly control over your life. And and just to just to back this up, I saw this in town hall on Monday because over the weekend, the dummy who runs the um, energy secretary over there, Granholm, decided she was going to go on a road trip. Did you hear about this? <laughs> I saw this. Yes. And the the the. <laughs> The uh, article is entitled, How the Wheels Came Off, <laughs> Energy Secretary Granholm's Electric Vehicle Road Trip. And this is not the first time <laughs> she sorry. has embarrassed herself no. with this energy, you know, this electric car thing, right? Oh, because man. we remember last year um, when they asked about the, uh, you know, because they charging. were plugging in. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to plug in. We're going to try. Hey, but by the way, uh, how are you getting your energy? Well, this this building runs on uh, <laughs> building runs on coal. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> really? She didn't know that. Right. Yeah. So all 330 million of us are going to charge what? By how? And who? Right. Where? When you can't in Texas now, you can't even keep your air conditioning on at night with the rolling brownouts and blackouts yeah. that they're having. You mm -hmm. see what's going on in Germany? We talked about earlier in the show. Yep. Coming to a coming to a state near you soon enough if the Democrats win in 24. So Granholm goes on a uh, she's going to take a summer road trip. She says and and she says she's going to take it in her in her um, electric vehicle. So that she can uh, gaslight all of us and try to show us the capabilities and try to convince you, Slick, and you, Delgado, and me, that you need to drop your, you know, your gas-guzzling truck, my Silverado like I got, yeah, and go get, uh, you know, go get, your, go get your Tesla or whatever. Not that I don't have anything against Tesla, but whatever. So she took someone from NPR with her, which you, you got to figure is somebody who's pretty friendly. National Public Radio, a reporter who even the reporter from NPR could not hold back in releasing the details of how horrific the trip <laughs> went. Quote, Granholm's trip through the southeast from Charlotte to Memphis, Tennessee, was intended to draw attention to the billions of dollars the White House is pouring into green energy and clean cars. 
Instead, Granholm's publicity stunt drew attention to the trials and tribulations of electric vehicle ownership, especially for those with non-Tesla EVs. I rode along with Granholm during her trip, eager to see firsthand how the White House intends to promote a potentially transformative initiative. Don't you love how everything the Democrats want to do always has to have the word transform? We're going to transform this. We're going to transform that. We're going to fundamentally transform this. We're going to transform the economy. Hey, some of us don't think any of this needs transforming. Why don't you get the hell out of here? How about that? We're going to transform your kids, whether you like it or not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, transgender. Everything. Exactly. Yep. Never ends. Uh, potentially transform, uh, transform uh, initiative to the public and what kind of issues it would encounter on the road. This is the NPR uh, reporter who was riding with her. Granholm is in many ways the perfect person to help pitch the United States' ambitious shift to EVs, she said. But even NPR could not avoid retelling what happened on the trip to show off the EVs had the proverbial wheels <laughs> come off. Granholm's entourage at times had to grapple with the limitations of the present, like when her caravan of EVs, including a luxury Cadillac and a hefty Ford F-150, and then the affordable Bolt electric utility vehicle, oh, that sounds yeah. like fun, was planning to fast charge in Grovetown, a suburb of Augusta, Georgia. Her advance team realized there weren't going to be enough plugs to go around. One of the station's four chargers was broken. The others were occupied. So an energy department staffer tried parking a non-electric vehicle by one of those working chargers to reserve a spot for the approaching secretary of energy. So she had one of her people basically (laughs) grandstand with a non-electric vehicle in a spot for electric vehicle so that she had a spot when she got there. It's it's like um, a perfectly able person parking in a handicapped spot. Exactly. That did not go down well. A regular gas-powered car blocking the only free spot for a charger? In fact, a family that was boxed out on a sweltering day with a baby in the vehicle was so upset they decided to get the authorities involved. They called the police. The sheriff's office couldn't do anything because it's not illegal for a non-EV to claim a charging spot in Georgia. Energy department staff scrambled to smooth over the situation, including sending other vehicles to slower charges until both the frustrated family and the secretary had room to charge. EVs that aren't Teslas have serious road trip problems, she said. So, coming to a state near you, (laughs) as the Democrats continue to want to tell you what you can drive, how you can drive, when you can drive it, where you can park it, how you can charge it, what you can use to build it, in this green utopia that they want us to all be pushed towards. And don't which, forget, soon they'll, they'll want to tax you per mile just to make up for the fact that they're not getting any uh, petrodollars anymore because they're going to try and outlaw gas. So, All right, let's do some news. Let's cover this John Solomon story before he joins us at 920. Rick Delgado, what is it? All right, so the John Solomon breaking story, which is coming out of uh, justthenews.com, John Solomon's site. Uh, and, and you talked about the, uh, the headline before at the top of the hour. Hunter Biden scored a meeting with his father business associates inside the VP home uh, at the Naval Observatory. A 2015 meeting with Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden's clients being wooed for Burisma deal. Ooh, where have I heard this before? Uh, Involved discussions about influencing U.N. Secretary General. 
and the race for the U.N.S. Secretary General, one of the many meetings that dispel the Democrat narrative of a mere illusion of access, adorned with the Queen-era grand architecture of the tightly guarded uh, Secret Service agents, the 9,000-square-foot home of the Vice President's mansion at the U.S. Naval Observatory grounds is rarely accessible to everyday Americans, but Hunter Biden as the son of the sitting vice president, was able to score a sort of VIP meeting inside the mansion that most lobbyists could only dream about. There it was, a spring of 2015, the future first son delivered FaceTime between then-Vice President Joe Biden, his fellow business partner, and Burisma board member Devin Archer, and an international banker they're recording for business in Kazakhstan. Yes. You know where Kazakhstan is? No, you couldn't find it on a map either. Uh, The meeting recently divulged by Archer in congressional testimony is one of several that Hunter Biden arranged that delivered direct access, direct access for business partners to his powerful father. Some occurred on the phone. Others occurred at Swanky Cafe Milano in D.C. But this one, the personal residence of the vice president, is taking on more significance for House investigators for the specificity of the conversation and the secretive nature of the gathering. The official entry logs released by the Obama administration do not show that this businessman and banker, Mark Holtzman, Archer, or Hunter Biden were there attending the uh, meeting at the Naval Observatory in the spring of 2015. But Archer confirmed the meeting occurred, detailed the nature of the conversation. He wanted, uh, Holtzman wanted the, uh, wanted to advocate for the former Kazakh prime minister to become the next UN secretary general. And Hunter Biden and Archer hoped Holtzman, then the top official at Kazakhstan's largest bank, could help deliver an energy deal for their Burisma client in Ukraine with Kazakhstan. So Archer and and Archer (laughs) and uh, Crackhead weren't there? No, they were there. Oh, oh, they were at the meeting. Yes, they were there at the meeting. And they had brought this guy Holtzman, the top official. Oh, I the- thought you said that there was that they weren't there and like maybe Joey was running the meeting himself. No, no, no. They were there. Okay. And, and that's but but I'm saying the uh the Secret Service logs don't show that anybody was there on that day. Meanwhile, Archer you know, says, no, we were all there. He said, a gentleman named Mark Holson, myself, Hunter, and the vice president were there, he answered. Mm-hmm. Mm. But the Obama logs seemed to miss it. Everything seemed to miss it. The until, official- of course, uh-huh. Archer explained this in congressional testimony. So there you have it. All right, a little more from this when we get back, and then John Solomon at 920. Yes. Live from Studio 6B. The hour live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's doing the news. Aaron and Fran holding it down. Of course, you, the live from Studio 6B audience, we're always uh, very appreciative. You give us a few hours of your night. Uh, Fran, John Solomon's ready, so let's give him a ring. Uh, we're going to get the great John Solomon on to discuss his breaking news tonight on Just the News. I think he just did a hit on Hannity discussing it as well. And he's going to come here now, and, and, and uh, we're going to talk to him about it. Um, and it and it's just, I mean, I know John's doing all these stories, but the the timing of all of this, as we continually hear from the media, the White House is in scramble mode 
White House is now sending out uh, notifications to their to their mm-hmm. lackeys in the media on how they want to frame this. They keep sending things out. CNN, of course, take, taking it hook, line, and sinker, and you, you see all these CNN tweets today about, oh, there's no evidence, no evidence. No direct evidence. No direct evidence. Yes. No evidence, no direct evidence. So you, so you see how this is being handled, and then it's ser- almost every day you get something else that directly ties Joe Biden as a co-conspirator to Hunter Biden, not registering as a foreign agent. Yeah, We don't need pictures of Joe Biden taking the money out of the bank safe like the Democrats say we need to say, oh, there's nothing here that's impeachable. <laughs> there's a list of things that are impeachable. <laughs> I mean, where do you start right. with what's impeachable on, for, for this guy? Uh, yeah, I mean, unless you have a confession, a confession would be considered direct evidence because the person saying, yes, I did, that's direct. That's as close. That's as close to 100 percent as you can get. All right, let's uh, let's go right to the source. Please welcome to live from Studio Six B, the founder and uh, editor in chief of Just the News. That's the great John Solomon. Mr. Solomon, how are you? I'm well, guys. You know, I got to admit, I was thinking of you guys on Sunday when the New York Times story had the uh, F, uh, the Secret Service agent on John F. Kennedy. One of these days, we got to have a Kennedy assassination uh, conversation. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Rick Delgado just jumped out of his chair. We're going to be on the grassy knoll, guys. We're going to go to the grassy knoll. Let's invite some UFOs and some uh, aliens, and Delgado will be on at home. So I'm I'm bringing a blanket. I'm bringing a blanket. I'll bring the popcorn. So, John, I I keep hearing that there's no evidence, there's no direct evidence that this is a sham. People who voted for Trump twice to be impeached with a a scintilla of what we have uh, are telling us that this is just a big waste of time. Uh, Like, we need a picture of Joe. Biden's hand actually in the cookie jar. It doesn't matter that he basically was the door opener for his son to make tens of millions of dollars. It doesn't matter that he had these meetings. It doesn't matter that he was on the phone. It didn't matter that Hunter all had to say was, yeah, my dad's here. Oh, you'll get my dad. I mean, this guy enabled all of this, but yet the Democrats say there's nothing here to impeach. And now your story tonight, tell us about it. Yeah, listen, uh, there is this line that the Democratic media have picked up from the Democrats, people like Dan Goldman, that, all right, we'll concede now Hunter Biden was selling his family name and making millions of dollars. Well, that's a big change from that was a conspiracy theory three years ago. But they stop at this point. All right, but really, he wasn't giving access to Joe Biden. He was giving the illusion of access. Listen, if you spend an hour at Cafe Milano having dinner with Joe Biden, that's not an illusion. You're having a direct meeting with Joe Biden. You're getting an hour with the sitting vice president, which he did twice, once in 2014 and again in 2015. But today I uh, work on and, and divulge another uh, extraordinary meeting. It's extraordinary for two things, where it occurred and the topic that everyone admits was discussed at this meeting. It occurs at the Naval Observatory. Most Americans never get there. It's the place where the vice presidential mansion, it's guarded by the Secret Service. Hunter Biden gets himself in, Devin Archer in, and a guy named Mark Holtzman, who at that moment is the leader of one of the the largest bank in Kazakhstan, a country that we sometimes have a little heartburn about, its former Soviet Republic. They're sitting in the uh, Naval Observatory, according to Devin Archer and according to the emails, and um, the uh, banker, this guy, Mr. Uh, Holtzman, wants Joe Biden to consider naming the former prime minister of Kazakhstan to be the next UN Secretary General. Hunter Biden's clients are getting so much access to the vice president, they're starting to suggest people and nominees for world positions. Now, I want to tell you something about the guy they were promoting that day. His name is Masimov. 
if you do about a five second Google, you're going to find it. You know where Mr. Masimov is today? He's in jail, in prison, <laughs> like many other Hunter Biden business associates, for treason in his own country. He was sentenced in April. A lot of the people, Devin Archer, the other guy in the meeting, he's about to go to prison. Several of the other business partners Hunter Biden with, they're in prison now. Uh, the, uh, there's a, a guy named Patrick Ho, Chinese executive. He's in prison. Hunter Biden not only worked with him and tried to create an energy deal with him, he tried to represent him as a lawyer. This is who Hunter Biden was doing business with. This is who he was bringing in contact with his father. And this is not small talk. This is not talk about the weather. It's not harmless talk. These are the things that lobbyists get paid lots of dollars to do. Hunter Biden could walk his clients into the Naval Observatory and they had the gall, the moxie to talk about, hey, how about you name the Kazakh prime minister the next UN secretary general? That's what the brand is. That's what Devin Archer is talking about. This anecdote has all sorts of wonderful emails. We put them all out there. I wanted to see the, how the whole game is played because from this, Hunter Biden evolves from the conversation about, hey, we let you have your conversation with dad about the UN secretary to, hey, can you get us a deal in Kazakhstan with the largest energy company with Burisma, my Ukraine deal. This is like let Monty Hall, let's make a deal in the Biden family. And they're just playing this game. And if this isn't influence peddling, if this is not public officials for sale, as, as uh, Speaker McCarthy said last night in his letter, I don't know what is. Reporters used to repudiate this behavior. Remember back in the Jack Abramoff scandal? Oh, culture of corruption. This is exactly what they were talking about. Today, they're trying to make excuses for it. And for that, they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, they don't even want to kick the tires on any of this. You, like you said, you would think a, rep a reporter, given any of this information we've seen in the last six months rollout, would kick the tires on any of it, even if they're uh, – the Democrat uh, media for the Democrat Party, but none of them seem to even want to do that. So let me ask you this. How does James Comer, again, because as much as it's about Hunter, again, it's about yeah. Joe. So how does Comer, Jordan, how do they take this stuff and do they do they go for the Foreign Relations Act saying he didn't register and Joe Biden is a co-conspirator? He opened all these doors. How do they eventually, do you think, and I'm sure there's more to come, but how do they really firmly tie this to Joe and not just make it all about Hunter? Well, I think one is follow the money, right? There's the allegation in the FD 1023 that maybe Joe Biden got some of a $10 million bribe. Now, that's an allegation from an FBI informant. Keep in mind, Christopher Seale was an FBI informant. That didn't work out so well. So you got to go follow the evidence, right? But there, I am aware of evidence that the congressional com committees have gotten recently that identifies a financial transaction in the 2015 time period. By the way, right around this time that we're talking about, uh, that seems to match some of the descriptors that the FBI did. It's something that the FBI began looking at in 2020 after the informant came in, then they handed it off to David Weiss, the place where all good charges against Hunter Biden seem to go to die. And we don't know what happened to it, but there doesn't seem to be any activity. Congress has a lead. Doesn't mean they're going to find it. But if you find money from Joe Biden, if you see money being transferred from Hunter Biden into Joe Biden's account so he could pay his bills, or if Hunter Biden is directly paying dad's bills, as he said in his emails, uh, from the proceeds of these foreign things, that's going to escalate this to a very serious matter. The second uh, area they're looking at is what other official acts. All right, if Joe Biden was um, 
uh, overt enough to bring guys into the uh, Naval Observatory and have a discussion about, tell me, son, client of, of a son of my client or client <laughs> of my son, what do you want for the UN General Secretary? What else was he doing? There's a, a mention in the emails I put out about this particular episode where the gentleman was seeking a letter from Joe Biden. Did Joe Biden write that letter? I don't know. We're looking. There's another place where Joe Biden does write a letter when Hunter Biden is courting Jonathan Lee, the communist Chinese banking guy who does the first deal with Hunter Biden in China. Uh, guess what? Joe Biden writes a letter to try to get his daughter in an American college. That is something that James Comer put out last night. Joe Biden was taking official actions as vice president to assist his son. He was taking official meetings yeah. to assist his son. If money goes with that, I think you have a full-fledged scandal. And I think that's where the focus is right now. John, you know what we really need to do is we just need to go get that phone you found once and let's just call it again. And maybe, Joe, <laughs> maybe Joe will answer. Yeah. We can just ask him all this. I'm, I'm guessing they dumped that phone. Yeah, I'm sure that phone's long gone now. <laughs> the great John Solomon. Thank you, sir, for a Thanks, few guys. moments. We always love having you on. The great you. John Solomon, Just the News. Make sure it's the first place you go each and every day, justthenews.com. All right, we're back with more news and sports live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. Back after this. choose an air purifier like your life depends upon it because you know sometimes it just might 35,000 wildfires have devastated the u.s this year we saw what happened in hawaii the toxins and particles in wildfire smoke can penetrate your lungs threaten your health that's why envirocleanse developed military grade air purification for your home or office and they just announced their biggest sale of the year they announced this back on labor day 30 percent off Right now, the EnviroCleanse, of course, specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and of course, difficulty breathing. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for the EnviroCleanse. That's why the Department of Defense chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy ships. And EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know that your family is breathing purified air. Now's the time to save 30% off your air purification unit. Get the free air quality monitor and fast free shipping. It's almost a $300 savings. Do it now. Visit ekpure.com and use code AMERICA. That's ekpure.com, code AMERICA. Go to ekpure.com, use code AMERICA for that $300 savings. Enviro Cleanse. Do it now. All right, uh, 31 past the hour, the great Sean Solomon. Uh, man, I'll tell you. So you were saying something interesting, Delgado, in the break after we Me? let Mr. Solomon oh, go. You yes. said that you're changing your mind <laughs> yes. a little bit on impeachment and whether it was worth it because of kind of what we started to talk about yesterday, the the advantage to the subpoenas and the forcing of things that are going to have to be answered now. Right. Right. And, which, which was something I didn't understand. I, I, you know, because anytime we've seen impeachment, it's always, you know, the big word impeachment. Oh, you know, he did something wrong. He's guilty, guilty, guilty. And they try to get him out of the out of the office, as they did with Trump twice. And it both dies in the Senate. We could see with the Senate being controlled by Democrats. It's like, well, why bother? Uh, plus, the, the media is going to run cover for for any impeachment hearings anyway. 
right? They're always going to write it and show only the little cherry pick parts that, that push their narrative. But then I heard some others talking about their, their decision to change their position on, on impeachment. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize that. And again, you know, we only we're not uh, constitutional scholars. You know, we're not lawyers here. We don't understand some of this stuff Speak for yourself. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, OK, Sorry. exactly. Um, yeah. Let's go to the rodeo. Um, anyhow, <laughs> yeah. as I was saying, uh, with More impeachment, <laughs> well, well, with impeachment comes the power from those impeachment, uh, that impeachment panel in the House, the power of subpoena. Now, that in and of itself that that right there that that's the mother load according according to what I, I understand because now they can subpoena all the banks all these companies anybody that was involved with the moving of money they have to comply with a congressional subpoena and if they don't well, we they'll be held we know. On, well, that's right we right. know if they don't the standard of this the Steve Bannon standard we are the you know we have, we know what the standard is now right so, so we'll see what happens, but but sure. banks are, are are more than willing to say, "Here's our stuff," because it's numbers. You can't you can't really do anything with numbers that have already happened. It's printed. It's done. You know, it, it, it is what it is. It's the record. It's the facts. So, what they're going to do is now they're going to be able to access all this information, and I think that's why the White House sent out that letter today, urging. Uh, it says here, according to the New York Post. Urging America's news organizations talk talk about you know one hand washing the other here, including CNN, the New York Times, and Fox News, and Fox News to ramp up their scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry they say is based on lies. Yeah. So they're 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 trying to strong arm the media to say, don't you cover this? Don't you write any any stories that support this uh, impeachment inquiry because we don't want you to. I want everybody to lose a couple brain cells here because speaking of impeachment, someone else has some thoughts on uh, on impeachment, believe it or not. Listen to this. Say what did you just say? He was going to indict all of his political opponents? He, said, he told a rally that he would tell his attorney general to indict his political opponents. I mean, that's that's a... That's, that's a banana republic yeah. without the banana. I mean, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Yeah, that's all a terrible thing. Terrible yeah. thing going after your political opponents. I think Nancy's Paul's got some thoughts on it. Yeah, I think Paul had the banana. She knocked out two banana daiquiris before the show, too. That's a banana without the banana, she said. Yeah, she, she, had, she had some thoughts on the VP as well here. Let's listen to this one. But do you think she is the, the best running mate, though? She's the vice president of the United States. So people say to me, well, why isn't she doing this or that? I said, because she's the vice president. That's the job description. You don't do that much. You know, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about, talk about the, uh, the quiet part out loud. I mean, she must have just got some work done because, I mean, she def her face barely moves when yeah. she talks at yeah. this point. It's so hard to get the words out because everything is just stuck, frozen. <laughs> I mean, just frozen there. Yeah. Like she went to see Dr. Michael DeRosa and they overdid it or something. But yeah. he would not do that because he's fantastic. I don't know who she goes to, but man, oh, man. That is just brutal. So, she goes to Madame Tussauds. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that's right. We used to call her that. I forgot about that. Well, she, needs Madame, a, she needs a tune-up, Madame Tussauds. There, that's yeah. exactly right. So, um, all right, let's do some. Uh, let's do some sports. Sports oh. is brought to you by Mike Lindell and My Pillow. Use our code LFS6P. Did you guys notice my first time out here? Did not comply. Will not comply. I mean, mm. this is pretty sharp looking right here. Yeah, big D. And of course, this is the shirt of the month, and they're flying out the door. And if you shopped at My Pillow in September, 
send us your receipt showing that you used our code and we'll send you this in any color you want absolutely free send the emails to lfs6b at yahoo.com slick rick what's going on all right you caught up on some baseball scores major league baseball just about two weeks to go in the season and the, the pennant races are tightening up right now we got the reds leading the tigers four to three bottom of the ninth we also have the mets over the diamondbacks seven nothing top eight bottom eight astros blank in the athletics six nothing royals five nothing over the white Sox, top of the seventh. Bottom seven, Marlins blanking the Brewers, two zip. Uh, and finals from earlier, Rays over the Twins, 5-4. Rockies beat the Cubs, 7-3. Giants, 6-5 over the Guardians. Mariners, 3-2 over the Angels. Cardinals, 1-0 over the Orioles. Pirates over the Nats, 7-6. Braves beat the Phillies, 4-1. And Rangers bomb the Blue Jays, 10-zip. Padres and Dodgers coming up on about 20 minutes, maybe half an hour, first pitch out, the, out west. And get to a couple of quick stories here, Big D. Well, Keith Olbermann mocks Aaron Rodgers' season-ending injury. Oh, God. Failure to vaccinate. <laughs> he is sick. He's sick. I had to get this one. Paul Boys of Breitbart reporting. Keith Olbermann, who traded in his ESPN anchor role to become an unapologetic left-wing troll, publicly mocked New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers after he endured a season-ending injury. On Monday, Aaron Rodgers sustained a torn Achilles tendon during the Jets game against the Buffalo Bills, which will likely put him out for the season, given that Aaron Rodgers famously opposed the NFL's vaccine mandate, Keith Olbermann used the injury as an opportunity to display a little schadenfreude. Uh, another hashtag, sudden Liz Frank, due to failure to vaccinate, Olbermann posted on X, formerly known as Twitter. Olbermann also responded to an X message from the Jets lamenting, lamenting Rogers' injury. Not the way any of us wanted it to go, but we know the commitment you've made to this team will continue to impact us moving forward. Get well soon, hash, uh, at Aaron Rodgers 12, the team said. So he comes back with this response, Olbermann, defined any. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. Not any of us wanted. Basically saying he's happy to see this happen. What a bum. Uh, as noted by the New York Post, Oldman also enjoyed a post by uh, Ari Amerov, uh, who posted the electric atmosphere at MetLife when Rogers ran onto the field holding the American flag before the start of week one. Aaron Rodgers faced intense scrutiny in 2021 when he refused the coronavirus vaccine, a decision he did not regret and doubled down on during an interview on the Pat McAfee show. They're trying to shame and out and cancel all of us. The not vaccinated people call us selfish i mean that's the propaganda line too that's uh, you are selfish for making a decision that's in the best interest of your body he said at the time that is that this that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated is a total lie he exclaimed rogers uh, further blasted the media for lying about his personal health issues to just say the vaccines are a blanket for all that ails you in my opinion is wrong and reckless and for the media out there taking shots at me if you don't know my story well now you do he exclaimed so quit lying about me and personal health decisions in my opinion, should be private. Rogers explained that he studied the vaccines extensively and discovered an ingredient that would have allegedly caused him an allergic reaction. Though he settled on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the shot was pulled from the distribution over clotting issues. Rogers added that the immunization protocol he found that could best protect myself and my teammates was a long-term protocol and involved multiple months of treatment. We remember that bright news, bright, bright news reported. So, uh, Olbermann is just an absolute bum, Big Day. What can He's you do? Really, just absolutely crazy. Big- Douche, that's what he is. Yeah. Yep. Pardon my French. Mm. Yep. I'd no, say something else. Would start with a D and has the word head at the end. 
Yep. Because that's really what he is, but uh, whatever. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but former tennis number one Simona Halep slammed with a four-year doping ban. Uh, so she'll be suspended for four years. Goes into to describe exactly what had happened. Uh, and uh, Serena Williams seemingly took a shot at Halep's ban Tuesday. Posting eight is a better number on X as opposed to the four years. Uh, Halep defeated uh, Williams at Wimbledon in 2019, which prevented the latter from securing her eighth title at the Old England Club. There's been a lot of suspicion about Halep and uh, doping but we'll see where that pans out. She's going to obviously, uh, you know, pose it and, uh, you know, obviously appeal. So that's a wrap in sports, Big D. All right, Slick Rick, thanks very much. Let's do some news and hear what that is, Rick Delgado. What's going on? Uh, news right. is brought to you by Seven Cells. What's going on? All right, well, the big story from today, which uh, I've been trying to get to, uh, but I keep forgetting. A convicted killer, Danilo Cavalcante, has been captured in Pennsylvania after nearly two weeks on the run after a prison escape. Pennsylvania State Police announced the capture of Cavalcante, who escaped prison and eluded law enforcement for the last 14 days. Uh, Cavalcante had been captured alive, has been captured alive, earlier earlier this morning after he escaped from Chester County Prison and eluded authorities for nearly two weeks, state police announced. He's 34. He was arrested and taken into custody in northern Chester County about 8 a.m. this morning. Police State State Police Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens said during a news conference that uh, with Governor Josh Shapiro and told reporters that on a single shot was fired. They used thermal imaging technology that led the tactical teams of the state police and U.S. border agents to catch the fugitive and his location at around 1 a.m., but a storm with severe lightning prevented them from the immediate capture. The teams kept the location surrounded to prevent his escape until they were able to converge around 8 a.m. They were able to move very quickly and very quietly. They had the element of surprise, and Cavalcante did not realize he was surrounded until it was too late. When the teams moved in, they released the hounds uh the hound's name his name was yoda uh (laughs) there's a great picture of yoda holding down cavalcante um that you can find online they they said they released the dog and ultimately he was able to subdue the escapee uh cavalcante was treated for a minor bite boohoo nobody cares uh and no officers were injured there was also some some hay they were trying to make about the agents who uh, and the law enforcement officials who made the uh, made the arrest, oh, yeah. stopping to take a photograph, and uh, of course Bevins, the state police uh, lieutenant lieutenant colonel, said he didn't have a single problem with it. These guys put in a lot of time, a lot of effort. They put their lives on the line, and you know it's it's a celebration basically of the hard work that they put in. Just so. make sure they get him into the prison, lock him up good though after that photo. <laughs> That guy's dangerous, man. Ooh. Yeah, did you see his escape? He, he he did like a parkour kind of thing. He kind of crab crawl. Yeah, crab yeah. crawled up a wall. Yeah, and escaped out of the uh, the local jail there Oof. before they could transform him to a prison where he'd been. Uh, this guy was also a killer in Brazil, and of course, this is what happens with uh, Biden's Biden's uh, agenda. Just let anybody in. Who cares yep. who they are? We don't vet them. Yep. And you let in an escape killer who kills again here in this country. All right, we'll wrap it up for a Wednesday night. We're back right after this.
13 to the hour live from Studio 6B. I want to thank John Solomon again for joining us on short notice with his breaking news tonight on justthenews.com. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go through this whole thing, but uh, Jonathan Turley also has pushing back against this ridiculous narrative that there's no evidence um, today in The Messenger, and I'm sure it's other places as well syndicated, but he says five facts that actually compel the House's Biden impeachment inquiry. And he, I'll just quickly take you through the five already established facts, besides all the new stuff that John has reported on, like what we talked about tonight. Uh, he says, first, there appears to be evidence that Joe Biden lied to the public for years in denying knowledge of his son's business dealings. Hunter Biden's ex-business associate, Tony Bobolinsky, has said repeatedly that he discussed dealings directly with Joe Biden himself. Devin Archer, Hunter's closest friend and partner, described the president's uh, denials of knowledge as category, category, uh, categorically, <laughs> categorically <laughs> false. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Not really. Second, no, not e- not really. Second, we know that more than twenty million was paid to the Bidens by foreign sources, including figures in China, Ukraine, Russia, Romania. There's no apparent reason for the multi layers of accounts and companies other than to hide these transfers. Third. Specific demands were made on Hunter Biden, including dealing with the threat of a Ukrainian prosecutor to the Ukrainian energy company Burisma, where Hunter was given a lucrative board position with uh, apparently, obviously, no talent for getting it. Five days later, Joe Biden forced the Ukrainians to fire that prosecutor, even though State Department intelligence reports suggested that progress was being made on corruption. Fourth, Hunter repeatedly stated in emails that he paid his father as much as half of what he earned. There are also references to deals that included free office space and other perks for Joe Biden and his wife. Other emails referenced how Joe and Hunter Biden would use the same accounts and the same credit cards. Beyond those alleged direct benefits, Joe Biden clearly benefited from money going to the extended family and fifth, there's evidence of alleged criminal conduct by Hunter that could be linked to covering up of these payments, which is what John was referencing right at the end of that interview. Mm-hmm. $5 million for me, $5 million for Joe. Those are the two, I think, deposits that they're looking for. Uh, and then, obviously, the Hunter failure to pay taxes, failure to register as a foreign lobbyist. I think that's the big one. The registering as a foreign lobbyist, I think it's a big one Huge. when you tie the two of them together. And what Joe, the doors that Joe was opening for him – the, the, the red carpet that Joe was laying out for him to gain and make all these millions of dollars, and he wasn't registered as a foreign agent. Joe absolutely knew he wasn't registered as a foreign agent. So how is that not impeachable? Explain it to me, please. Yeah. It's Of course it is. That's the point. And especially, how is that not treasonous for a vice president to be a foreign agent, <laughs> a foreign agent for another country? Um, well, the son to was do the their foreign bid. agent. The no, son no, no. was the foreign agent. Joe Biden was also the foreign agent. That's that's where they're headed with this. Mm. And the problem with it is that, and this is why they're going to get rid of Joe, um, because it all leads to who? Who was his boss? Obama. Rock. Obama knew everything. Remember, when Hillary's emails came out, we also found out that Obama emailed her through that email address. Which means he also had emails going out to Joe Biden and his various other aliases during that time probably as well. That's what they'll find. They need to get rid of Joe Biden because now he's a problem. His dumb son with his stupid laptop 
couldn't just couldn't just put down the crack pipe long enough to go pick up his laptop when it was ready to end be fixed. And now all of this is coming down to haunt them, which is great. I love it. So and and then of course jumping on some quick news for you, uh, Damon, our favorite mayor, uh, America's mayor Rudy Giuliani, wants to be the lead counsel for the Biden impeachment. I say go for it. Former pre- former New York mayor and presidential candidate Rudy Giuliani, this is coming from the National Post, uh, National Post, he expressed his desire to serve in the lead counsel role during the House Republicans' impeachment efforts against President Joe Biden during an appearance on Steve Bannon's War Room right on this network. Uh, Giuliani claimed to possess superior understanding of the case against Biden and asserted that the necessary evidence could be found on Hunter Biden's laptop. He emphasized his expertise in questioning and offered to handle the witness examinations. He even said this, and I quote, this case could be proved without witnesses, just with electronics and the hard drive. You could do it with videos, texts, emails. It's a multimedia case that could be won by a moderately talented prosecutor, he said earlier today. The evidence is overwhelming. I'm prepared to do the questioning if they've got the guts to go for it, he told Bannon. So... There you have it from uh, America's favorite mayor, who said right here uh, to us, uh, Biden's a real dummy. He's and so is dumbest, his son. He said he's one of the dumbest people I've ever been yep. around. And, and so that and that speaks volumes when Joe Biden says uh, Hunter Biden's the smartest man he knows. That That's Biden really is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Biden really is stupid. Yeah. Is. All right, what, anything else in the news, Rick? Yeah, real quick, another uh, another story from Raheem Kassam at the National Pulse. Biden spokesperson said Joe was Joe was on Hunter's business calls because Bo Biden was sick. That's going to be the new spin here coming out of the White House, as Ian Sams is claiming that the reason why President Joe Biden was on those Hunter Biden business calls and in his meetings and setting up all these deals is because the Bidens are a close-knit family, Damon. Oh, yeah. And, and the then-Vice President, his other son, was battling brain cancer and I guess couldn't go out and make those deals, so he had to hang out with uh-huh. Hunter. He calls his son every day to check in. He calls his other families to check in to see if they're doing okay. They're a tight-knit family. Family, claimed Sam's in an interview with CNN, adding he was checking in with Hunter during a particularly hard time trying to get this deal done. I might add a time where the family was going through Hunter Brothers Biden, uh, Hunter Brothers Bo's illness. Sam's comments come in response to the impeachment inquiry against President Joe Biden announced earlier on Tuesday by Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. So. There you have it. They're going to claim it's harassing him. It's baseless. He was just trying to help his son out because the family's going through such a tragic time. Bo is sick. I got to help Hunter out. He's got a crack problem. We need money. I got to pay for these five houses that I can't afford on a senator's salary. So let's open up the spigot. But I could be wrong. It could be totally on the up and up. Who knows? All right, very good. Spa News is brought to you by Seven Cells. Uh, use our code LFS6B if you're going to shop there. They got great stuff for your health. Uh, check them out, sevencells.com, spelled out with seven, not the number seven, the word seven, sevencells.com. Let's do some more sports for you. Wrap it up. Uh, sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell. Of course, my pillow. Slick Rick, what else is going on? All right, time for a quick one here. Remember Dylan Mulvaney? Well, he wants to do epic Super Bowl beer and add after Bud Light fiasco. This is Warner Todd Houston, a bright boy. Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender TikTok influencer, 
who almost single-handedly destroyed Bud Light and sent owner Anheuser-Busch into billions in financial losses, is pleading for someone to hire him for an epic beer commercial for an upcoming Super Bowl. In a new interview with The Cut, Mulvaney said he hopes he gets a big Super Bowl ad in about 10 years. Maybe it'd be epic if in like 10 years I got to do a beer commercial for a Super Bowl, he said in the Wednesday interview. Mulvaney also knows that he was shocked by now swift and decisive the black uh, the backlash was for his brief disastrous partnership with Bud Light. I think that some transgender elders probably looked at me last year and were like, you have not so far to go. I think they probably saw that was, that happened and saw the last few months coming for me. Bud Light suffered an immediate and entirely organic boycott starting in April immediately after Mulvaney posted a video of him drinking the beer and showing off a can with his face on it that was specifically made for him by the beer brand. The boycott was so devastating for Bud Light that it was toppled as the top-selling beer in the country and has now suffered what many industry experts now say is a permanent decline. Mulvaney immediately went, uh, admit, immediately went quiet on social media until a few months later when he returned bemoaning the transphobia he was suffering and he also blasted Bud Light for not standing up loud and proud in his favor. So the long and short of a big D as he's looking for a uh, another beer commercial, somebody sure. to jump on that, so uh, yeah. that what, chance. What's the definition of insanity? Yeah, that's it, doing the same thing over and over yeah, again. Maybe, maybe and expecting a different result? Maybe they'll have the Clydesdales run him over. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us, all our truckers, all our farmers, everybody that keeps the country moving. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thank Aaron. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We will see you. I will not see you. I'll see you Friday night for President Trump's speech. The boys will see you tomorrow night with the great David Zier, 8 p.m. right here, live from Studio 6B.